Hey, Proof listeners, this is Dan Souza. You might know me as the resident food science nerd on America's Test Kitchen on public television. Everything we do at ATK is about helping people become better cooks. And one of the reasons I love my job is because I truly believe in our content. Everyone who works here is obsessed with the why behind food. We test and retest every variable until we understand why leaving some bubbles in the batter makes for fluffier pancakes, or why turning off the oven halfway through cooking is the key to perfectly roasted chicken. If you're a curious food lover, and I assume you are because you're listening to Proof, please consider supporting our work by subscribing to an ATK digital membership. You'll get access to our archive of great recipes, recommendations on the best kitchen gear, and so much more. We'd love to give you a 14-day test run. Just go to atkpodcast.com and sign up. Do you ever get confused by the supermarket? Well, I do, sometimes. Here's an example. Evaporated milk. I pour it into my morning tea. I love it. Now, it's not found in the dairy section, but it's in the baking section. Okay. Now, I also love those Beyond and Impossible burgers. But at my grocer, they're nowhere near the meat section. But really, shouldn't they kind of be? The supermarket just isn't the most intuitive place as is. And there's no standard for how they're supposed to be laid out. But we just deal with it, as tens of millions of us do on a daily basis. So just imagine how difficult it would be to do the everyday task of buying groceries if you're losing your sight. I want you to meet reporter Jason Struther. Every year, his vision gets a bit worse, to the point now he's legally blind. For Jason, this is a scary, scary thing. Where? Okay, what? Oh, the, wow. Okay, the tile was a completely new sensation oh, yeah. for me using this cane. I like, whoa, I thought it was floating on air. Like many of us, Jason loves to cook. And when you love cooking and have low vision, the everyday act of buying food becomes a real challenge. How do you tell the boxes apart? Is everything done by feel? Do you always ask the closest stranger what it is that you're holding? Just think about that for a minute how incredibly hard that would be. Today on Proof from America's Test Kitchen, Jason learns to shop at the supermarket while blind. And when I say learn, I really mean there's a place he'll go to learn, confront, and navigate his new reality. I'm Kevin Pang. Thanks for listening and stick around. Ever get overwhelmed by all the different types of butter that are out there? I know the difference between salted and unsalted, but what about the ones that say 80% butterfat versus 82% butterfat? Does that 2% make a difference? I'm bringing in Cook's Illustrated Editor-in-Chief Dan Souza to explain. So it's a great question, and it actually does make a big difference. The butterfat can affect how rich, spreadable, or melty your butter is when you're cooking with it and spreading it on toast and bread and stuff like that. But it also plays a big role in baking as well, especially for something like croissants or any other laminated dessert. That higher butterfat content means that it actually ends up being more pliable. So you can roll it out more easily and get these really fine layers of dough and butter and get the flakiest results when it bakes up. Taste the difference with Plugra Premium Butter's 82% butterfat content. Visit Plugra.com for more information.
Reporter Jason Struther brings us today's story. I've dropped into a supermarket in California that I've never been to before. I'm from New Jersey, but I'm on the West Coast for a week-long journalism workshop at UC Berkeley. And I've come to this store in search for just one item, a box of granola bars, my breakfast when I'm on the road. Got some bananas over here next to some kind of refrigerated section. Shopping in an unfamiliar grocery store can be confusing for anyone. And product placement often doesn't make it easier. Definitely not. This looks like hand soap. Definitely not the uh, snack section. May I make a quick comment? That's my friend, Teresa Coltzarellis, who's recording me as I search this supermarket. The soaps were across from the tomato sauce. How does that make any sense? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to have to just going to have to go down every aisle until something looks familiar. That's not so easy for me. You see, I have a low vision impairment. And what that means for me is that I can't see the big letter E on the eye chart. I can't drive. And from several feet away, I couldn't recognize my own mother. So in a supermarket, even one that I shop at all the time, I miss a lot of detail. I think I need to do a little more recon. Aisle by aisle. I don't think most fully sighted people see all the barriers that complicate how people with low or no vision put food on the table. Those start with just getting to the store. Not every blind person lives in walking distance to a supermarket or has access to public transportation that can bring them there. There's not always someone to bum a ride off of either. And inside the store, there are any number of obstacles like jettisoned shopping carts and inaccessible touchscreen kiosks. Most food labels aren't big enough unless it's a box with a familiar or iconic design on it. I closely inspect almost every item on a shelf. And to speed things up, I tend to feel or shake every box or bag so I can hear what's inside. Bags of chips and snacks here. Snack section could be getting closer, maybe. Gotta use some context clues around here. I figure the granola bars are probably placed near the cereal. Uh, So I'm looking out for those boxes with big, familiar designs. If I spot Tony the Tiger or the Captain, then I know I'm getting close. Okay, well, okay, all right. Maybe I've struck pay dirt here. I believe I'm in the cereal section. Got some boxes of cereal here. Maybe a box of granola bars will be nearby. I'm hoping. When I reach the limit for what I can visually make out, I reach for a secret weapon inside of my pocket. This is the point where I need to bring out my smartphone and look through the camera. I pick up a small box of something. We got peanut and date. I can zoom in pretty close and see the labeling, but it's hard for me to read a lot of the print on the box. I'm not too sure if that's a canola bar. Don't help. (laughs) This is the moment when I tell my phone to turn on an app for some extra help. Open Seeing AI. This app uses my phone's camera and turns text into speech. Honestly, though, it can be a little hard to understand. These 2090s, these 09K. FG coded, coded and dress. Granola bars made with peanuts rolled oats. I think I found my granola bars. All right. 
to the checkout. Finally, with granola bars in hand, Teresa and I leave the store. Food shopping is one of those things that makes me feel the most blind. I feel self-conscious, and I don't like looking blind. I don't like having to pull out my phone and plant my head a few inches off the screen. It identifies me as someone who might have a disability, and I don't want people to know that about me right off the bat, because I don't present as blind. I don't use a long white cane, and I don't have a guide dog. Supermarket staff don't assume that I need help, and I tell Teresa that I actually prefer it that way. I'm stubbornly independent, even if that means inconveniencing myself while at the store. <laughs> I want to be able to find my granola bars on my own. I want to be able to go into a supermarket and not have to act like the poor disabled guy who needs help finding, you know, items on the shelf. I want to be able to do that by myself. I was born with a type of macular degeneration, and I can tell that my sight is gradually getting worse. As a kid, I could read large text, but by the time I was in college, I needed a magnifier to do my homework. Now, 20 or so years later, I use text-to-speech to read almost everything. And I see blurry spots that weren't there a few years ago. But I don't dwell on these things. I know that's how this condition works. But I gotta say that as my vision decreases, ordinary tasks like food shopping are becoming more time-consuming and frustrating. That bothers me because I really enjoy cooking. I make a mean chicken parm. My Cajun mac and cheese should be patented. And no one ever turns down my Philippine-inspired leche flan. But I don't know a more visually accessible way for me to pick up my groceries. And I'm not sure for how much longer using things like my phone's camera will work for me. I've heard about a school in Colorado that might be able to help with this. It teaches how to live independently as a blind person, including how to food shop. I know some people who went through that program, and they say it changed their lives. So I headed to Littleton, a Denver suburb, to see if they could show me a better way to navigate the aisles of a supermarket. As soon as I arrived, I found out that before I could learn how that works, I'd first need to learn how to be blind. When new students walk into the Colorado Center for the Blind for the first time, they get two things. So we're gonna get a cane out for you, and we like your cane to come up to your forehead. That's the school's director, Julie Deedon, who, right after meeting me, leads me to a closet. Okay, so I'm about 6'1". Um, so, so I'm gonna oh. get you the right size of cane. This might be a little too long. It comes up just above my nose. Above your nose, that's perfect. Okay. The second thing Julie hands me is a zipped up plastic pouch. Inside is a black sleeping mask, like the kind you might get on an overnight flight. I love giving our students a canes and shades on their first day here. <laughs> is that what happens? So, Every student who comes here has to wear the shades and they get a They do. Yes, they all do. Julie is blind, and so are all the other instructors at the center, which is run by the National Federation of the Blind. They call the masks learning shades because, as she explains, it's how students learn to be fully independent as a blind person. It's blind people teaching blind people. We are teaching all non-visual techniques. 
That includes navigating the streets, riding public transportation, cooking, and food shopping. But it's more than just these skills. What we want all of our students to gain when they are here is that feeling good about who their identity as a blind person. One of the best ways a person can feel comfortable with who they are is to proudly say, I am a blind person, and to have that cane in their hand. And we do require our students here to use their canes at all times. That struck me. I've never been comfortable identifying as blind. It's not that I'm ashamed about my visual impairment. I just don't consider it the most important thing about me. To each their own. Julie isn't just throwing me into the deep end, blindfolded and with a cane in hand. She's assigned Vaughn Beck, a student, to be my guide. Vaughn is wearing a basketball jersey and has a tattoo on his left shoulder that says, Big Blind. That's what he went by back in Alaska. I tell Vaughn that I'm a little anxious about the whole thing. I've never used a cane. I've never... You've never used a cane before? Never used a cane, never learned Braille, never have worn... Sleep shades. Oh or man, shades. you're in for a treat. <laughs> it's uh, it's terrifying sometimes. Terrifying because the shades kind of give you a glimpse of what your future could be like. Vaughn is 32 years old and started losing his sight as a teenager. He says he can only tell the difference between light and dark now. Vaughn has been here for four months, but it's his second time trying to complete the program. He dropped out several years ago. He just wasn't ready to be blind. And whether I was ready to be blind or not, I'd find out in just a moment. I unzip the pouch. Pulling them out. All right, put the bag down. Okay, shades are going on. All right. Well, they're comfy. Yeah. Okay, I... How's it it feel? (laughs) (laughs) There is zero light coming through. They are completely opaque. Wow. Now, this is it. We do this from 8... AM to 4 PM, and there's one break, which is in philosophy. You get to take that off for about 45 minutes. You even have to eat lunch with that on. I feel around for my cane, and I'm ready to go. Sort of. I'm totally disoriented in the pitch black and feel completely dependent on Vaughn. He tries his best to help guide me out of the room. It's a rough start. The entire program at the center is nine months. I'm only staying for a week. It's a crash course. I'll shadow Vaughn for the next few days until I get the hang of it. Besides the lobby and the dining hall, I have no idea what this two-story building looks like. I mean, I have no reference points. I'm constantly worried about banging my head into something. I even start having visions of what I imagine the place and people look like. I haven't been around this many visually impaired people since I went to a summer camp for blind kids back in the 90s. There's a sort of college dorm vibe here. Students come from all around the country and occupy an entire apartment block in Littleton. Everyone eats together, shops together, and hangs out in each other's apartments. It's fun, and I feel I can let my guard down. I don't need to explain why I can't recognize someone. But I'm here to learn. My first two days at the center are an orientation, blindness 101, if you will. I tag along with Vaughn to his classes, like Braille. Now, the really cool thing about Braille is that it actually follows a pattern. I also attend his assistive technology class. Talking, typing, to explore the keyboard. And I go with him to 
wood shop. Students learn everything from how to wash a car to make their own furniture. Yeah, don't even ask how that works. But the class I'm most interested in takes place inside the school's kitchen. When I drop in, students wearing learning shades are taking a chicken out of the oven. And Delfina Rodriguez, who teaches home management, is showing another student how to operate a food processor. She says some students have never stepped inside a kitchen before, thanks to overprotective parents. And others, like her, lost their vision later in life and now need to relearn how to cook in food shop as a blind person. If you want to live independently, I think it's pretty important to know how to do those things. You know, to be able to have a party and host a get-together for your friends and your family. And a lot of people that we meet have families, and they do need to cook for their children or their single parents. Maybe they're taking care of a loved one that can't cook and clean for themselves. So I think it's one of the most important aspects of living independently is cooking. After students get to know the kitchen, they plan a meal for six people. They pick a recipe, come up with the budget, and source the ingredients. That's where a trip to a supermarket comes in. Later, they scale the recipe to 15 people. But in order to graduate, they have to step up that recipe to four times as many people. With the graduation meal, since COVID, we've reduced it a little bit. So now they cook for 50. In the past, they've cooked for 60. Most people will never throw a dinner party for 60 guests. So I don't get why students have to cook for that many people. But Delfina explains it's more about building confidence. We already, as blind people, have a lot against us, right? So finding a job is not easy. And when I go to an interview, I'm a little nervous, right? I know they're going to see the cane and they're going to be like, oh, you know, a blind person. And this isn't always the case, but I think we run into it a lot. I know that more than likely I have cooked for 60 people and that person has not. So that's my one up on them. For me internally, it helps me know that I've accomplished something that they haven't. I won't be around long enough to host any banquets, but Delfina says she'll take me food shopping to see how students learn how to buy groceries. I'll have to do that while wearing the learning shades, of course. So I better bone up on my caning skills. I lost track of time while gliding my cane across the center's gymnasium. I practice techniques like shorelining. That's the wall? That's when you run the cane's tip along where the floor meets the wall. It helps identify doorways and corners. I asked Charles Bennett, who teaches mobility and orientation, for some pro tips on how to get around a supermarket. He explains that as soon as you get to the parking lot, you have to pay close attention to all the sounds around you. As you're following that shopping cart into the store, listening for sliding doors, right? Okay, I hear a door here. Let's go in there and see what this is. Now, as you're getting into that, that market, there's going to be some other orientation things that you could pick up on, right? So a big one is register beeps. That sound is that people are checking out. Beep, beep. And those are always going to be mostly in the front of the store, right? So you're going to be able to hear those things when you walk in. All right. Listen for shopping carts and beeps. I don't know if that makes me feel more confident about this upcoming trip to the supermarket. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I'm a little apprehensive about walking outside the center wielding a cane. I'm not good at being blind. I express my concerns to Delfina Rodriguez back in the kitchen. 
So I've only had uh, cane training for two days and have only uh, worn the the learning shades for two days. Is that enough experience for me to feel confident uh, while food shopping independently? I guess you're going to have to tell me that. <laughs> like, if you feel confident doing it, I'm going to ask you later. I don't know. Like, I think, um, I mean, it's a necessity, so I don't know in the end, does it, like, if we're, we're going. Okay. Ready or not, I'm headed to the supermarket and to make my world debut as a blind person. On day three at the center, Delphina and I are on a bus headed to the supermarket. She gave me permission to get on the bus without wearing the learning shades, just to be safe. But that doesn't last long. Let's go ahead and put them on. This will right be now? Experience. Yeah, why not? I don't know if I can get off the bus. And soon enough, it's our stop. She leads the way down the steps and out the door. I guess here. Yep. It goes down. Step, yep. Try to find the railing. Got it. Step that way. Okay, made it to the street. And there I was, blindfolded and using a cane, following a blind woman in a town that I've never been to before. That's the aircon. But that guy Vaughn was right. This is terrifying. And then I hear the familiar rattle of shopping carts. I must have looked confused. A stranger took it upon herself to take me to the entrance where Delfina is waiting. I missed it. You work for the supermarket or you're just a kind passerby? A kind passerby. I walk in and the sudden surface change took me by surprise. Where? Okay, what? Oh, the, wow. Okay. The tile was a completely new sensation oh, yeah. for me using this cane. I like, whoa, I thought it was floating on air. I'm like, wait, wait, is that where to go? So, okay, Where'd so my cane go? This is the moment I've been waiting for. Just as I started to hear all those checkout counter beeps, a woman named Chelsea greeted us with a shopping cart. She's a shopper's assistant, someone who guides customers through the store. It turns out the way the blind learn to food shop is to ask customer service to lead them around. That doesn't sound like the liberating and independence-proving experience I was looking for. Okay, so what do you need on your shopping cart? I rattled off my list to Chelsea. No particular order. Uh, Granola bars. uh, Boneless chicken thighs. (laughs) uh, Granny Smith apples. Salsa. Medium hot. Do you think we could do this, though, Chelsea? Delfina maps out a shopping strategy with Chelsea. Just start at aisle one and go numerically rather than zigzagging around. She tells me to hold on tight. So I am along for the ride on the shopping cart. I, yeah. Yep, okay. that's kind of how it is. Okay, well, I, then I need to switch hands with the recorder. Okay. okay. Oh, wait, let's wait. No, I've lost them. <laughs> wait, wait just a sec right here. Oh, yeah. uh, one second. Sorry. We're in front of you. I, I repositioned. Oh, okay. You good? Okay. Okay. All right. And we're off. When we return, will Jason find what he's looking for? Legendary French chef Auguste Escoffier knew that to be a good cook, you had to master the basics. 
His great-grandson, Michelle, told us how actress Sarah Bernhardt credited the chef's scrambled eggs for her longevity. She apparently replied laughing, oh, maybe the fact that every morning at breakfast I have a glass of champagne with Mr. Escoffier's scrambled eggs. The Augusto Escoffier School of Culinary Arts helps aspiring chefs perfect their scrambled eggs and so much more. Head to escoffier.edu to learn more. That's E-S-C-O-F-F-I-E-R dot E-D-U. And now, back to our story. Chelsea, the shopper's assistant from the store, knows the drill. She's helped out students from the Center for the Blind before. She reads aisle signs and asks if we need anything that's not on our lists. Delfina is a pro at this. She asks to hold items and tells Chelsea to read off things like brand names, flavors, expiration dates, and prices for almost everything she touches. Asking for so much help is a little out of my comfort zone, but I didn't really have any other choice. And if you see like, you know, a moderately priced ground coffee, how much does that bad boy go for? Where, where can we find those big bottles of salsa? What aisle is that? You, any other useful information on that that's in English? Things were moving along. But sometimes moving a little too quickly for me. Hold on. Oh, wait, wait. I, lo- I lost the shopping cart. <laughs> that's an aisle. Delfina, you almost abandoned me in the milk section. Sorry about that. Next time I'll be better. And when Chelsea handed me a bag of apples, she kind of forgot that I couldn't see. Okay. How, how many? How many in that bag? Uh, hold on. Like two and a half ounces. Can I feel it? Yeah. That's why I was pretty. Oh, okay. oh, oh, well, didn't see it. <laughs> Sorry. I think we were all getting a little tired from the shopping. It's time to check out. Alrighty. I'm gonna be honest here. This was all kind of a letdown. I felt like I was at the shopper's assistant's mercy. I'm sure I felt even more disoriented because of the learning shades. This is the kind of situation I was trying to avoid in the first place. I certainly did not feel independent. After we say our goodbyes and thanks to Chelsea, I tell Delfina that working with a shopper's assistant isn't my thing. My gut instinct was I'm pushing this lady too hard. I felt that I was inconveniencing her. Like, why do we as visually impaired shoppers have the right to be so demanding? I don't think we're demanding. I think we're asking for a service. So why is it not okay for us to demand that we have adequate service to be able to get what we need? It's our time. It's our money that we're spending at the store. Just because we're blind doesn't mean we shouldn't have good service. Delfina explains that going into a supermarket can feel overwhelming to some blind people. And having this practice can make it less intimidating. And even though today's experience went pretty smoothly, Delfina says that sometimes working with a shopper's assistant can be more frustrating than it's worth. They pick out the wrong items. She's met someone who can't read. And sometimes supermarkets are too busy or don't have enough staff to help blind customers. And for these reasons, Delfina admits that she generally stays away from supermarkets. Um, I have definitely went away from in-store shopping because it is a lot of time, it is a lot of energy, and I don't always come out with everything that I need. There's no doubt that delivery and pickup services can be more convenient for anyone. 
But I shop on a need-to-cook basis, so it doesn't make any sense for me to use these services when I just need a few things to cook for dinner. I don't want to give up on selecting my own groceries. I want to be able to check the firmness of my fruits and vegetables. I want to be able to spontaneously buy things that aren't on my list. And not for nothing, I don't want to pay all those delivery charges. I need to go back to the drawing board. Back at the center, I order lunch with Brett Boyer and his wife Eliza Portugal. They're using screen reading software on a smartphone to go through a local restaurant's online menu. Brett and Eliza are totally blind. Eliza teaches Braille at the school, and Brett teaches Access Technology, which are adaptive programs that help people with visual disabilities use computers, smartphones, and other devices. Brett and I go way back. He's actually the first blind person I ever met when we went to that summer camp decades ago. I told him about my experience using a shopper's assistant. He wasn't surprised that I didn't like it. I hate shopping as as a general idea. And as a blind person, having to deal with a shopper assistant, which are not always the best, just becomes more of a, a job than something enjoyable. Brett almost exclusively shops online. He still remembers the first time he ordered groceries through a store's website about 15 years ago. I was so... Uh, excited because it was the first time that I, as a blind person, got to browse. I got to look at all the flavors of spaghetti sauce or all the different, you know, potato chip flavors. I got to find out about flavors of things and brands of things that I didn't even know about that existed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Simply because not many people are going to sit there in a store with you and literally look at every shelf. But now on my own, in my own time, I can do that. I can compare prices. I can look up flavors. I can even look up ingredients now. Being allowed to shop the way you want to has actually opened up and has made shopping a much more pleasurable experience. But Brett understands that I and some other visually impaired people still want to shop inside of a store. So he suggests before leaving home that I make a list on an online service and bring it to the store to show the assistant. You've done all the legwork. Right? You've done all the comparisons. You've done the browsing. You've done the, the new buffalo wing flavor from Lay's or whatever. And now you just walk around with the shopper reading your list to them. And if you have a really worst case scenario like I have in the past, you have a shopper that can't read, mm-hmm. you got pictures. You double tap on the product and a picture pops up. Right, mm-hmm. And so you can just point to the picture. This is what I need. It can be that simple. It makes life a million times easier. That's not a bad strategy. But for me, it sounds like more of a backup plan. I'd still like to find a way that doesn't involve bugging a store's clerk to guide me around. So I continued searching for more options beyond what the Colorado Center teaches. I pay a visit to Lucy Greco, who lives in the Bay Area. Front door. No. No. Solo. Lucy, as well as a yellow lab and black lab, meet me at the front door of her home in Berkeley. Nice to finally meet you, Lucy. Nice to finally meet you, too. Come on. And what's the dog's name? Solo is my foster dog from Guide Dogs right now. Okay. And Dwight's my guide dog. Lucy is what's called in the disability community an accessibility evangelist. She spreads the good word about how we use assistive technology and devices. 
I thought she might have some ideas on supermarket best practices because I know she loves cooking too. She posts videos of her culinary skills on YouTube as access aces. But it turns out she's also largely given up on going to supermarkets. She told me she's had too many bad experiences. I love just sitting here on the sofa with my husband and going through and looking what's on sale. And we, the two of us will just sit down and we'll go through Instacart and order that way. But Lucy points out that not every visually impaired person can have this luxury. For instance, there are tech as well as cost barriers. She says most blind people don't have jobs. And Lucy says it's the supermarkets that should be making their spaces more accessible. She has some suggestions. Keep the store consistent. Keep, you know, the, the items in the same place. Have shelf signage that's permanent and consistent, that's, that's accessible, be it in like raised print or, or tactile braille. Have, uh, you know, some kind of positional thing that if you push a button, it will tell you that this is the Hostess cookies and this is the some other brand that you can push the button on the far thing that actually says something. But Lucy reminds me there's a bigger problem. Whether it's supermarket layout or kitchen appliance design, people with disabilities are not at the table. And that's why so many spaces and products are not accessible for people who are blind. Bring people with disabilities into your focus groups. Having a person with a disability on your team, you're not going to make a product that they can't use. And we have so much to offer. We will make your products better, and then we'll spend our money on your products. But until accessibility is more baked into design across the board, people with disabilities will keep having to come up with their own workarounds. Lucy and I talked about some new assistive tech that could make shopping less stressful for people with visual impairments. There are a slew of products that claim to help the blind see. Goggles with built-in cameras, very pricey. More specifically for supermarkets, there are barcode or QR code reading apps. And there are some app-based services that connect the blind with sighted guides. The guide gets access to the user's smartphone and can assist with tasks like shopping and cooking. I've never tried something like that. One of those is called Be My Eyes. It's free, and it's staffed by volunteers around the world. Another is called Ira. That one allows some no-cost usage, but is mostly available with a paid subscription. However, they have partnerships with some businesses where access is free including at a supermarket not too far from where I live in suburban New Jersey. Find Ira on the App Store. Okay, searching for Ira on the App Store. Okay. Welcome to Ira, a free service for anyone looking for extra information for everyday tasks. Connect with and with the app downloaded, I'm ready to head to the supermarket. I've never shopped at a Wegmans before, but I've come to this branch in Parsippany, New Jersey to test out Ira. It's supposed to connect me with an agent who can see through my cell phone's camera. Okay. Wegmans was actually the first grocery store chain to offer free access to the app at all of its locations back in 2018. So I'm ready to see how this goes. I pull out my phone. Open Ira. Okay. Now I'm going to give the agent a call. See how this works. It connects. Hey there, uh, this is Jason. Uh, I am a first time caller. Who am I speaking with? Hi Jason, this is Jeff, how you doing? As the conversation starts, Jeff begins to look through my camera. I hold it up so he can look around the store, but he also has access to a map of the supermarket's layout. 
I told him that I only have a few things on my shopping list today. We decide that picking up the first item on my list, some fruit, makes the most sense. If you can spot any sort of, I don't know, strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, that would be awesome. Yeah, okay, let's keep looking here. Okay. And I'll try to walk slowly. Yeah, I appreciate that. Okay. So with my phone raised to eye level, I meander through the produce section while Jeff checks out the selection. We pass apples, lemons, and avocados, but no sign of berries. Then Jeff spots something small and red. Isn't that we okay? Don't want to go much further. Okay. All right. Let me see. What can we find? Yeah. Uh, what's straight ahead of us right here? Those look like oh, those are tomatoes. Okay. Cherry tomatoes. I've definitely bought a pack of cherry tomatoes thinking there were strawberries before. Looks like we just gotta look through here. So there's okay. some more pumpkins right. that are right in front of you. So maybe let's go to the next aisle next aisle up. So straight ahead about five feet. These look very possible. Looks like pears, kiwi. But Jeff isn't completely sure about what he sees through the video. Is it okay if I take a picture? Yeah, go for it. Jeff asks me to stand in different directions while he snaps pictures. He zooms in to get a better look. Where are you? Berries, 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 berries. He spots containers of freshly cut mixed fruit. I see one that has like kiwi, strawberry, blueberries, possibly pineapple or a melon. See, that, that, you know, that, that almost sounds better to me than just a, a box of only strawberries or only blueberries. And I, I, I definitely would not have caught that on my own. So may, maybe that's a winner. Even though I'm relying on someone to help me, I don't feel like I'm imposing on Jeff like I would with supermarket staff. And it's kind of fun. I feel like I'm on a scavenger hunt. So next up on my list, oatmeal. Okay, so go ahead and angle me up a little bit higher. And I'm going to try and get a layout of where we need to go. One second. Okay. I tilt my camera a little more upward, and away we go. Jeff leads me out of the produce section. Okay. And in about seven feet, I'm going to have you turn to your left, and we're going to go into the grocery area. And we got a little bit of a wiggle and a waggle to get around okay. some of these um, aisle things. There you go. You got that one perfectly. Okay. There okay, getting into the depths of the supermarket. I see some signs. So okay. If we could stop here. Yeah, this, this is always forward. where this is where always my breakdown is because I can't see any of the signage. Uh, I, I see where they're hanging, but can't read any of it. So I'm gonna yes. I'll angle up toward one for you. Perfect. Thank you. I'm gonna grab an image of that because right now we got cereal, and I think your oatmeal will be in the cereal area, don't you? I head down the aisle. I ask Jeff what kind of strange product placements he's seen while guiding people through a supermarket. Well, it's like this one. It's labeled baby wipes, and it goes to cereal. So I'm <laughs> not too sure we want baby wipes and cereals together. But no, it's, it's kind of a appetite losing. <laughs> we move past the baby products and to the start of the cereal section. Jeff snaps a picture and spots the oatmeal at the end of the aisle. There we go. What kind of oatmeal are you looking for? The most affordable kind of oatmeal. <laughs> I remember what Delfina Rodriguez at the Colorado Center for the Blind taught me. Ask questions about everything. 
Do you see what brand that is? Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the middle aisle is called Woodstock. Okay. I asked Jeff for a little more detail about the packaging. It's organic, traditional rolled oats. And it's got... One last thing before I put this in my basket. I'd like to know what the total sugars are. So I asked Jeff to take a look at the nutrition label, something that I'm almost never able to do. Let me take an image of it in one second. Okay. And see what it says. It says no sugar added. Hey. There you go. I, th- I think we have a winner here. There's just one more item I want to pick up. So, okay, so, you know, I'm in New Jersey. I like me some Italian food. I was was planning on slow cooking some sausage and peppers this weekend. So lead, lead me to the sausages, Jeff. We arrive at the back of the store where packaged meats are lying on refrigerated shelves. This would normally take me forever to find what I'm looking for. I'd probably have to touch each package to determine which ones are sausage links. And then I'd have to pull out my phone and zoom in real close to read the small print on the labels. It's not so easy for Jeff, too. He asks to take a lot of pictures in order to read the product information. What do we got? We got... That's poultry. Ooh, there's a hot pork Italian sausage. Yes. That, my friend, is exactly what I'm looking for. We pick up one other package of sweet Italian sausage, and Jeff leads me back to the front of the supermarket to check out. We got a couple of lanes to our left that have the lights on, and I don't see anybody. So straight ahead, about 10 feet. Go to your right a little bit, right there. Now turn back to your left. This lane, yeah. I've actually never used a self-checkout kiosk on my own before. I can't really read the buttons on the touchscreen. But with Jeff's help, I thought this would be a good time to give it a go. 12 dollars. If you are finished scanning, touch pay now. Jeff pretty much guided my hand from button to button. But I did something wrong. Someone will help you soon. (laughs) I failed. (laughs) A store clerk appeared to work things out. Please select your payment. Credit. Your total is 30.85. Okay. Is, is this is, is, correct? I swipe my card. Please remember to take your receipt. You I should have remembered to bring a shopping bag, but uh. <laughs> I thank Jeff and disconnect from Ira. To be honest, I enjoyed this experience a lot more than I thought I would. And let me tell you, those sausages came out great. I pressure cooked them in my homemade marinara. I can't really see the text on my Instant Pot, so I use my phone's camera to get the setting right. Having someone to read signage, labels, and spot items that I might have missed was really helpful. But it wasn't a time saver. It took 45 minutes to find four items. But I could see myself using Ira again. I wanted to get my old friend Brett's opinion on Ira and other similar apps. I think they're great. I think it makes you more independent sometimes. That's a pretty solid endorsement, but then Brett threw some cold water on it. He's worried that stores will outsource accessibility to apps like these and not train staff on how to work with customers who are blind. A bigger concern is that people with visual disabilities will become too reliant on apps like these. Brett tells me about an experience he had while using one of these apps at a convenience store. I literally, they walked me through the main aisle down to the back where the pharmacy is. And on my way back, I said, you know what? I really want something to drink because I'm going to walk. And they walked me over to the cooler and I actually got to pick 
like what I wanted. But then it hit him. He didn't need someone with vision to tell him what each drink was. I know what a Coke bottle feels like versus a Powerade bottle or a Powerade bottle versus a Gatorade bottle. They feel very different. So those kind of skills will probably go away if I ended up using Ira all the time. Um, And I think they're skills. Brett's right. These are only skills that you can learn through hands-on experience. Tech shouldn't be a solution for everything. There's actually a lot you can do without vision in a visual world. That includes food shopping. Through my conversations with Brett, as well as everyone else at the Colorado Center and beyond, I understood that being good at being blind takes training. It's like becoming a good athlete or a good musician. And I still have a lot to learn. After students at the Colorado Center for the Blind throw their graduation banquet for 50 to 60 guests, they participate in a symbolic ceremony. They ring what the center calls a freedom bell. It signals that they've learned the skills to become an independent blind person. In some ways, it's the start of a new life. One week in Colorado was not enough for me to master any of these skills. But I left with a lot of takeaways. First, I forgot how much I enjoyed being around other visually impaired people. I had some great conversations, laughed a lot, and made some new friends. Also, almost everyone I met sometimes feels frustrated while food shopping, so I wasn't alone. And there isn't any one-size-fits-all solution to make that experience any easier. For some, walking around the supermarket with a shopper's assistant might make the most sense. Or maybe it's connecting with someone who can guide you via your smartphone's camera. And for others, the supermarket is something to be avoided at all costs. Just shop from the comfort of your own couch. For me, I'll continue to try out new apps and other assistive tech. I should probably get over my apprehension about asking for help, too. And maybe come prepared to the grocery store with a shopping list. Planning ahead is probably the biggest lesson I learned while at the Colorado Center for the Blind. And I'm not just talking about my next trip to the supermarket. Many of the students there had no idea that they would lose their vision. Some literally woke up the next day and could no longer see. They had to learn to be blind totally from scratch. But I'm in a unique position. I know that my eyesight will continue to decrease. By how much, no one knows. Regardless of how bad my vision gets, I should be more proactive in making that transition as frictionless as possible. That could mean learning Braille, becoming familiar with different types of assistive technology, and using a cane. I'm still not ready to identify as blind, and I might never be. On my final day at the Colorado Center, I offered to give back the cane that I borrowed during my brief stint. I didn't want to take it away from someone trying to complete the entire program. But an instructor suggested that I hold on to it, just in case I ever want to come back here as a real student and really learn how to be blind. Thanks to Jason Struther for bringing us today's story. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and the podcast is made by the following cast of characters. I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer Caitlin Kelleher. 
I'm supervising producer Caroline Rickert. I'm Terrence Johnson, and I'm the associate producer. I'm Alex Curran Cardarelli, and I'm also an associate producer. I'm Bridget Lancaster, creator and the founding host and producer. Audio services are provided by Ultraviolet Audio with sound design supervision by Matt Poynton. Scoring, mixing, and sound design by Anya Gzeshik. And additional engineering by Justin Garish. Brian Campbell of Signal Sounds Composer Theme Music. Additional music by Kyle Forster and Jordan Pearson. Jen Margolis. Is our director of host production and our director of production is Diane Knox. Fact checking and additional research by Angela Yang. Special thanks to all the editors and fellows at UC Berkeley's 11th Hour Food and Farming Journalism Fellowship for their support with helping this story take shape. Thanks also to everyone at the Colorado Center for the Blind, the team at IRA, and to all those shoppers' assistants out there. Jason says, keep up the good work. Jack Bishop is the Chief Creative Officer, and Dan Surratt is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsors, Eglin's Best, Plugra Premium Butter, and the Augusta Scoffier School of Culinary Arts. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen.